0: Hey friends, good to be with you. And thanks for all you who rated and reviewed the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher or however you get your podcast. I have our two winners for the giveaway that I'm going to read. The first winner is Smoothie2012. They say, I'm new to Scott McKnight and I like what I hear. I discovered several of his books were on my wish list, so I thought I might look into him. They say, you know you're dealing with a genius when they can take academic material and bring it down to the layman level. McKnight does that with the new perspective of Paul. Thank you. I'm excited to hear this podcast every week. Thanks, Smoothie2012. I'm sure Scott will appreciate your kind words to him. Our second winner is Podjack84. And Podjack84 says, as a podcast nerd, I listen to many different podcasts. I really enjoy Kingdom Roots great content and great interviews. Some podcasts have a good episode and then the next is only just okay. Kingdom Roots provides consistent content. My background is Catholic, Lutheran, Southern Baptist, non-denominational. Podjack, that's quite the mix in your background. He says Kingdom Roots gives me an insight into different traditions. I love this. It makes me want to look at Northern Seminary for doctorate work. Highly recommended. Well, we love that you're interested in pursuing doctorate work maybe at Northern Seminary. Um, Scott actually will be having a DMIN in New Testament context that will be starting in the next couple of years, so that might be something to look into, or any of the different programs at Northern if you're ever interested. I'm always here and able to help. So, our two winners, if you would please email me at C. Robbins, that's C-R-O-B-B-I-N-S, at seminary.edu, then I'd love to be able to get Ever Ancient, Ever New to you as appreciation for your willingness to write some reviews. So, thanks so much for joining us today, all our listeners. I think you'll enjoy our episode. So, without further ado, here's the episode. Welcome to the Kingdom Roots Podcast with Scott McKnight, the conversation designed to look at how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now. Today on the podcast, we have our fifth and final part of Paul and Palestinian Judaism. Well, Scott, we've had a little bit of a, a break here in these episodes, but we have made it back. We're back here for week, or part five, um, the last part of our evaluation and kind of summary of Sanders' really significant work called "Paul and Palestinian Judaism." Are you ready to jump into this here?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: All right. Well, here we go um, to look at this. You know, this the this last part in how. Um, How Sanders evaluates some of the overarching themes in Paul's letters and works, and how his previous work of evaluating and comparing um, first century Judaism to his work, he goes through a large summary of different uh, perspectives and moves in New Testament theology. Obviously, you couldn't go into detail in all of it, but do you got any like highlights that would be really helpful um, and significant for our listeners to understand about that summary that um, Sanders puts in the beginning of this part?
1: Well, um, yeah the it's important to understand that New Testament studies is not something that we begin today when we open up our New Testaments, but that we are standing on the shoulders. Uh, An even better image is we are swimming in a very fast-moving river, and uh, we are being carried along. In other words, we're not swimming against the water, although sometimes we do. Even if we're trying to swim sideways, we're going to get pushed forward by the momentum of the past. And Sanders was particularly concerned with German scholarship that um, forced— inaccurate and dangerous perspectives about Judaism onto New Testament studies, so much so that they become common expressions that are virtually anti-Semitic, or at least dangerously so, or at least dangerously uh, negative. Uh, And he is fighting against that. And he's also then taking issue with uh, how people understood Paul. In light of that understanding of Judaism and his, you know, he takes, he, he goes after people like Boltmann and Jeremias and uh, Ferdinand Weber. Um, he, he improves upon one of the, to me, one of the more interesting features when I read Sanders, this is way back in 1981, uh, when I read Sanders the first time was how much he engaged Albert Schweitzer because in the world of Pauline studies that I was familiar with, and I was not doing my PhD on Paul, so this was a sidelight for me, um, Schweitzer was not talked about very much. Uh, Boltmann a little bit, but uh, Kazemann more, but uh, Schweitzer was not. So So Sanders gets into all these currents and moves and all the different boats that are bobbing up and down the river as it's going forward with all kinds of people on the boats. And he wants everybody to understand what's going on with with the scholarship.
0: Yeah. And so then he obviously makes his contribution of uh, his evaluation. How would you explain what Sanders is hoping to do in this last part of the book in his comparative analysis between Judaism and and what Paul um, puts forward in in his themes and his
1: letters. Well, Sanders, um, I think the way to put it is Sanders wants to make sense of Paul after we get rid of all these bad ideas about Judaism. And uh, for many of us, when we read this, uh, the least uh, significant or the least uh, reshaping of our minds was what he had to say about Paul. It was almost like, okay, now I've done Judaism. Uh, Here's a few things to say about Paul now. Whereas most of us were more New Testament people. We were looking for a book just as long on Paul and we didn't get that. Then he wrote another one that was, it was a short monograph. And I got to tell you, it's the hardest book I've ever read in my entire academic career to make sense of it. it was very demanding and required uh, knowledge of some stuff that I, I just didn't know that much about. But let me let me give a big perspective on Sanders. Sanders critiqued what is now often called the old perspective. He was critiquing the Lutheran misunderstanding of Judaism somewhat the Reformed misunderstanding of Judaism, but he was particularly concerned with the Lutherans. And Sanders' work, in that it completely reshaped how we understand Judaism as covenant nomism rather than as works-righteous religion, Sanders spawned no less than four major movements of New Testament scholarship And he should not be blamed for any of them. Uh, The first one that emerged out of the Sanders work, other than E.P. Sanders' own work, and I'll get to that in a second, was the new perspective. Jimmy Dunn in in the mid-1980s and T. Wright at about the same time were both refashioning their understanding of Paul. They were both Pauline specialists. On the basis of this new understanding of Judaism, and therefore, that Paul is not fighting works righteousness, uh, but he is opposing something. Jimmy Dunn called it nationalistic righteousness at the time. Um, uh, N.T. Wright had other categories that he was using because he appropriated a narrative approach. So out of Sanders comes the new perspective. Alongside that is a group that is now called the apocalyptic people, J. Lewis Martin, um, Martin De Boer um, and now especially Douglas Campbell. We see this in Fleming Rutledge. We see this in Beverly Gaventa and others. So the apocalyptic Paul emerges out of Sanders and very much accepting his understanding of Judaism. And then along, I said four, I should have said three. And then kind of a merging of the new perspective and the apocalyptic perspective is something that I think is very consistent with Sanders, and that is what Michael Gorman calls a participationist Pauline theology. Now, Sanders himself believed that the center of Paul's theology was uh, sort of an eschatological participation in Christ. And he was uh, uh, talking about the expression in Christ. He's interacting with with, uh, Deismann and Schweitzer's idea of Christ mysticism of being in Christ so so he believed that we should uh, that it's an eschatological that is something new something changing and that's developed by the apocalyptic people and by Michael Gorman in participationist and that is that um, it was uh, something brand new in Christ that reformulated everything all right i'll stop with that and Turn it over yeah, you. you know, I, I'm glad you bring up the
0: participation in Christ as one of the things that Sanders spends a lot of time talking about, because I got to say, when I was reading through this section, that was something that was actually very encouraging to me. Like it was it was it was clarifying in a lot of how he, how he addressed Paul's suggestion to communities um, for the sake of formation and you know things that he asked people not to do, uh, he really, I thought, explained it well, how this isn't just not doing it because this is bad and for the sake of, of not doing, you shouldn't do it. Um, but these examples are such that this breaks down our communal participation in Christ, and um, and I just found that to be um, very enlightening and helpful as I read and and saw some of those passages in Paul. That it's much more than just a, a list of rules, and that's how really it, it was always. Um, in Judaism it, that I think that's that false perception that foil that you've mentioned that Sanders was trying to dismantle and to be able to then approach Paul in this way and then think about and reflect on how that the implications that that has for the church were significant for me and, and really encouraging to know um, okay, this is about something bigger, and for my life and how I follow Jesus, I need to be aware of this um, and and really um mindful and adhering to it as I, as I live out my days and and try to follow Jesus in community as best I can.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very good.
0: Uh, Well, let's anything else. Do you think that's important to grasp on that participation in Christ before we move Uh, on to to God? I do.
1: I mean, it's about, uh, this is, this is big to Sanders is that uh, the solution is found in Christ. And therefore, all other solutions are inadequate. And it is our participation in Christ as the people of God that, uh, that change. So, yes, I, I agree with what you're saying.
0: How would you distinguish between the new perspective and the participation perspective? Because some of that is a little foggy for me, and I wonder if—and if, maybe it is just simply kind of foggy, but I wonder if you, you have any distinction that would be helpful to draw between those two.
1: Well, it's, it's difficult because Sanders writes this book and spawns the New Perspective. The New Perspective does a lot of things after Sanders, so he's not really in dialogue with right. them at all. The I think one of the big things in the New Perspective is continuity between the old and the new. In a sense, then, that Christianity, the Jesus followers, are a kind of Judaism rather than something absolutely different that's one of the things and and in some ways Sanders would would not want to buy into that uh because of his emphasis on uh things happening so new in Christ but that would be uh that would be something that Jimmy Dunn pushed that N.T. Wright pushes is that there's there's greater continuity between the old and the new um Even though there's all kinds of new, uh, there's still great continuity. It's a fulfillment of the old. It is not an elimination of the old. All right. So now um, I uh, I, I saw another question that you were going to ask me, and uh, I don't have it right now. Yeah. I I think that, yeah, we can
0: move on here to the concept of, of gospel that I. From what I understood, Sanders' articulation of how he believes Paul defines the gospel. So it's a bit of a lengthy quote, but I think it's really helpful um, yeah. to really grasp what he says. And, and I'd love for you to unpack that a little bit. Um, but what Sanders says is that that Christ had died and that God had raised him, that Christ is Lord, that the Lord will return, that the apistoi will be destroyed, that the believers would be saved.
1: Yeah, unbelievers, the unbelievers.
0: Yeah, Yeah. I'll get these terms right at one one point here. Um, And so he continues and he says, uh, If alive, having their bodies transformed, and if dead, by being raised in a spiritual body. Paul doubtless preached many other items, but this is his gospel. Thus, he did not begin with the sin and transgression of man, but with the opportunity for salvation offered by God. Put another way, Paul did not preach about men, but about God it is true that in the press of explaining the implications of his gospel, he comes closer to working out what can be called an anthropology than any other New Testament author. But that is the only implication of his theology, Christology, and soteriology. It is not worked out for its own sake, for man's plight does not seem to be primarily what Paul preached about. So, Obviously, we got a lot to unpack there, as Paul, of Sanders' understanding of Paul's concept of gospel, but I'd be curious if you have any insight on how, when Sanders talks about not preaching man's plight, um, which I think what I understand is like, man as a sinner, that it's, it's this um, understanding that you're wrong, and this, there's this chasm that Jesus bridges, and this is Paul's gospel. Uh, how was this received when he made this suggestion over 40 years ago?
1: Well, yes. One of his clever lines is that uh, Paul did not start from man's need, but from God's deed. Most people, when they preach the gospel, want to start with humans as sinners. This is the Billy Graham gospel. This is the gospel of evangelicalism. This is the gospel of the revivalist. It is the gospel of the evangelist. It's the gospel of people who carry around gospel tracts that we start by trying to convince people they're a sinner, and then we pro- then we provide a solution. That's moving from plight mm-hmm. to solution. Sanders contends that Paul did not operate that way. He started with the solution and found the plight. The solution is what God has done in Christ, and that mm-hmm. created the problem. So once you know that salvation is in Christ, you now know that salvation is not in the law. He did not know before that the problem was the law, and he was looking for a resolution to his problem with the law. He knew before uh, the law as the way of God, and then he encounters Christ, and it's such a sudden, shocking, shattering experience that he now knows the solution is Christ, and therefore he knows that what he knew before is and was inadequate, though he didn't know it then. Many people think that Paul lived a life of miserable guilt and dissatisfaction under the law, and therefore he was looking for someone who would give him joy and forgiveness and grace. And then he finds Christ and he he finds what he's always been looking for. Isn't that a song? Yeah, you too, you too, something like that. All right. So, but no, Sanders says, no, it doesn't start that way. Now, this is the very essence of the apocalyptic school of Paul, is that in Christ, we find the solution and therefore all problems are created because we know the solution. The new perspective would say, well, it was a story in search of a solution in the Messiah. So it's a Jewish story from the beginning to the end. But uh, Sanders wants to operate from solution to plight. And you cannot deny that this is the way at times Paul operates in Philippians. uh, He clearly, because he knows of the all-surpassing goodness of God in Christ, he now knows that everything before then is rubbish. Um, and Sanders would even say that Paul thought the law was abolished. Uh, but none, nonetheless, um, uh, Sanders works from solution to plight. And this is absolutely huge in um, learning to reshape what we think Pauline theology yeah, is. Yeah, I
0: totally about. agree. And I, I feel like um, this is, is one of the most difficult things to make a turn on and turn the corner, because how we understand gospel is so rooted in our own experience and understanding of our own faith with Jesus. And um, to be able to maybe have come to faith in Jesus in such a way that it it, it did start with man's plight and with our deed and and, and that type of gospel that you explain it was God's well, deed. But now I'm there. saying like many yeah. times, if we came from a background oh, yeah. that we did yeah. that, that's how we heard the gospel. Yes. And so now we we hear that's this right. exclama- explanation of Paul as different than that. Um, that seems like that can be a difficult thing to maybe not intellectually as much well, as emotionally turn the corner on.
1: Well, it, yeah, I mean, and mm. and existentially, I mean, we don't, we have not learned mm-hmm. to think like this. We have not learned to believe like this. We've not learned to practice like this. We've not learned to feel like this. And yet, this is the emphasis. Uh, Richard Hayes, in his wonderful reading the Bible backwards, reading backwards, is is largely doing this same kind of thing. Uh, and um, And while I love the narrative approach to the Bible, and I firmly am committed to it, Um, I do believe that it is because we know where the story ends that we know how to create the narrative. And I also believe that the narrative that is created by the end that Jesus has in mind, kingdom of God, is different than the end that Paul has in mind or that John has in mind. So there are different narratives that best bring to the surface the best way to understand each of these different figures in the New Testament. I think their, their narratives, their solutions are harmonious and coherent with one another. But kingdom, if, if kingdom is the solution, you need a kingdom problem. If the church or uh, justification, depends on where you want to start with Paul, or if you start with Miroslav Vulsnuin, the flourishing life, if that's the solution, then you need... A story that leads to that. And so I think this is one of the great contributions of Sanders is simply to say, hey, we've been doing this in the wrong way. We need to think again about operating from solution. Yeah, that's good.
0: So you'd kind of alluded to this just a a minute ago, but if if individuals, if churches um, really grasp this concept of starting with— the work of God, God's deed before um, the the failing of man and and this man's plight that we have talked about. Um, what type of things do you think would happen in the church? Why is that so important um, for us to be able to really grasp this gospel that um, Sanders explains, which really seems like is is true to what Paul is trying to do in his letters to the churches.
1: Well, I, I would say that he helps us understand, Paul. I, I'm, I'm not going to com- yeah. go completely on board. But here, here's something I think is important. Uh, we need to sketch, present to people, preach God, what God has done for us in Christ in order to understand uh, what our hearts have been looking for. Uh, I don't think we start with humans and their misery and say, now here's the solution. I think we start with the solution in order to understand and articulate what our problems have been all along. So I think that what Sanders can help us with is that we we can focus on what God, let's just say this, what God has done for us in Christ, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all that He is the Savior, that He is the Messiah, that we need to start there, and it will help us understand the entire narrative and our own, uh, let's say, our own particular personal histories. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense, um, and and definitely something that's important to do. So, uh, so, so as we kind of near the end of our time together in this conversation, um, do you have anything else that would be particularly helpful that our listeners may either get hung up on in Sanders' work or, or that is really helpful and necessary for them to take with them um, as a contribution that Sanders makes?
1: Well, the first thing I would say is I think more people need to read Sanders instead of talking about him. Uh, the second thing is I think that his work has been updated in his new uh, introduction to the Apostle Paul. And I think it would be really good for more people to read that. But uh, I think Sanders uh, struggles with a topic that we we need to be more careful about, and that is Judaism itself. What was it like? What was it about? We need to focus on the things that we are in continuity with Judaism, that Christianity and Judaism are not polar opposites but they uh Christianity morphs out of Judaism and Old Testament etc uh and they're they're not Judaism and the Old Testament aren't the same we need to see um, ourselves in terms of Abraham and David and Moses's story uh, as finding their fulfillment in Jesus and to let that become our own narrative and our own story so that's I think Sanders helps us with all of those. Yeah, totally,
0: totally. Anything else that that's real significant? That um, or maybe any closing thoughts to send oh, people no, away with I think today? That's
1: that's what that's what I would uh, I would want people to learn from reading Sanders. Yeah,
0: well, thanks, Scott, for letting me just pepper you with questions because I had a lot from the reading. But I know for me, it was um, it was enriching and it was an experience that really helped continue to fill in the picture for me uh, in the background of what's going on of what Paul has to say in his letters. And uh, you know, anytime I do that, I've been studying the Bible for a while, and it's just so um, so helpful to have a, a what I feel like is a, a Better understanding um, to better apply it, and you know that's what we talk about, right? How the kingdom took root then, and how it's taking root now. Yep. Thank you, listeners, for joining us today and um, journeying with us on this five-part series working through Paul and Palestinian Judaism. Um, I, I hope you hope it has been as helpful for you as it has for me, and um, we're always grateful to have you with us in whatever conversation we're having. So um, if you haven't had a chance to subscribe, let me encourage you to do that. We try to do these podcasts about once a week and I'm putting one out. and, uh, And so to be able to subscribe, however you get your podcast is an easy way for it just to pop into your phone or whatever way that you listen. So I would encourage you to do that, but thank you for joining us. And we look forward to be with you next time as we continue our conversation on how the kingdom took root then and how it's taking root now.